Well, welcome everyone. I can't be more excited for this uh, session uh, this evening. Well, I, this evening for me, and I guess for Andy, it's uh, what time is it? Uh, it's in the morning? Yeah, I've got 10 a.m. Uh, Tuesday morning. Um, but that's not the time that uh, it's going to be when people are watching this. No, but it's 8 p.m. here. So that's at least the difference that will be the same each yeah, time. There. So, so anyway, Andy Hare is joining us today from Australia. And I couldn't be more excited. We first reached out to Andy and we said, you know what? Everyone has reentry on the mind. We want to know what's going to, what it's going to be like. And Andy's already been through that. And we're going to talk about that today. However, as we had this discussion, we said, boy, there's just so much other stuff we have to cover. And, uh, you know, until that point in time when we can bring Andy to Indiana to Grand Park and he can be there on the center soccer field and uh, give a, a great keynote, we wanted to at least uh, get some of his passion. Is that a good word? Yeah, that is a great word. Yep. Well, great. I bathe in it. Exactly. So we can't talk about physical education without passion. That'd be like having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the, the jelly or, or the peanut butter. I don't know which it is, Andy, but uh, you, you get the idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Andy, absolutely. welcome. Uh, for those that haven't met Andy or haven't heard of Andy, could, could you just give us a little background about who you are, what you're doing, and uh, why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah, fantastic. I'm going to start by saying... G'day, Gary. Um, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Classic Aussie. Um, hey, I've always wanted to say this as well. Everyone always says, oh, look, where are you from? Um, and I was thinking about it this morning. And you know, I've always said, well, I'm from Australia. I'm from Geelong. But really, I want to say I'm from North Antarctica um, because we are that close um, that, uh, you know, when, when it blows from the south, we've got the, um, the Antarctic winds and the ocean coming our way. Not quite icebergs, but um, in the winter, it is quite chilly. But uh, yeah, so I'm Andy. I'm from North Antarctica. And um, I teach physical education right here in, um, in Geelong, Australia, and have all my life. I've uh, into my 26th year of teaching. Um, was actually so, so enthralled with it as a kid that it was something that um, it wasn't my first choice um, of subjects going to university. I wanted to be a physiotherapist, um, but uh, education drew me to, um, to actually be able to be engaged in sport um, all my life and now being able to give back and, um, and teach children how to become their best versions of themselves. And, um, you know, I guess that sums it up really well of who, who I actually am. Um, you know, certainly over the last five or six years, very well traveled, but, um, you know, I think, uh, Kim and I, Kim Ballard and I share, um, about a couple of days apart. This is our 11th year anniversary on Twitter. Um, so then being able to connect with people right around the world through that, I look at that and think, okay, across the 11 years of my, um, my last 11 years, I've traveled right around the world with conversations. Um, and here we are with you. Well, well, great. So you mentioned Kim actually today, just this afternoon, she sent me an email that she signed up. So you can say, hello, Kim. Good to see you again. Yeah. G'day, Kim. Uh, great to see you again. I'll probably see you at uh, your Friday at five. Um, we'll jump on and have a chat. <laughs> Very good. 
So uh, before we get into uh, the next segment, just a little bit of housekeeping here, Andy. Uh, you know, the landing page from which you're seeing this video, uh, you'll see some shareable quotes. Uh, feel free to copy and paste those in your, uh, in your social media, uh, for your professional learning network, uh, uh, or anything else that you wanna uh, share. It doesn't have to be from those notes, but those are kind of the highlights and the, and the quotable quotes mm -hmm. from today that uh, you'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll reference uh, uh, resources and links and those will all be available there. And then at the bottom, you'll see a link for a feedback and a, a form. Tell us what you thought of today, but that will also be the place where you can get your certificate for your professional growth plan points for your uh, relicensure -li -re and uh, basically uh, your continuing education. So that's kind of the housekeeping thing there. And, but Andy, so let's get into the topic. We always have to start with a little bit of common language here. And uh, so we're going to talk a bit about today, uh, passion. So what does passion mean to you? So look, passion to me, and this is, um, this is, I guess, you know, one of those things that as an educator, my goal is to create passionate people. Um, passion is not something that I teach. Um, it's something that just embodies me. And um, as we spoke earlier, it's, it's contagious. Um, you know, it is all about having a love affair for what you do and doing it to the point where you're in love with it. Um, you know, and having that fairy tale dream that the activity that I'm going to give um, students to unpack today is something that's going to drive them so mad. They're going to fall in love with that and want to keep doing it. Um, I had this dream, um, or I guess this fantasy reality, uh, five years into my career, which was all about uh, a brother and a sister um, that I'd teach and they'd go home and they'd argue at, at the dinner table over who had the better physical education lesson. Um, and, you know, that was my core focus for about 10 years was to try to create such enriching classes for, you know, not only siblings, but just everyone that they would go home and it would be the general conversation at the, at the dinner table. And I think, um, you know, the best part about it is living in, in that realm of thinking, not in sort of the reality side of things, but in the, the ideal that this is actually happening. Um, and so it motivates me to keep going. Um, if I track data and realize it didn't happen, you, you might change your thought around it. So, you know, passion was all about trying to develop that dream that someone can capture and run with it. Um, and I know that, you know, a lot of my life is all about trying to capture that um, next level and working out how to get to it. So you become so passionate about something that you will do everything you possibly can to fine tune it to get to that end result. Um, so that, that's passion. So I'm, I'm gonna, I done a little research on you here. You know, that's a great thing about the internet. There are no secrets anymore, right? Yeah. So, Stalking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, cyber stalking, maybe a little bit. Cyber stalking. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what does the phrase, Andy, you're an Iron Man mean to you? Oh man, man. Yeah, good, good call. Well done. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I actually brought this up because I, I had to find it. Um, and I'm going to see if I can play this through. So I'm going to just change 
change my mic for a second. Uh, let me go back here. I'm going to throw this one internal, and let me uh, let me play this to you because this is what what you're referencing. You're an Iron Man. There you go. That's what they say every time you cross, right? Well, 100%. Now, that guy is Mike Riley. So Mike Riley calls in every single Ironman athlete that comes across the line in Hawaii. Um, and the, the idea was that... Um, let, let's go to that phrase. That phrase meant that I actually had accomplished what I'd set out to do when I was 15 years of age and it was to complete an Ironman. And, and it took me a long time to do it because there was, there was setbacks. Um, there was, um, you know, the birth of my, my children, which, you know, took all the, the priority in life um, as it does. And it got to a point where I had a window um, and that window allowed me to go right not only am I ready, but my whole family was on board. Um, and to achieve that goal, and um, if I paint the picture, and I paint the picture right with uh, this way. So an Ironman is uh, 3.8 kilometre swim, 180 kilometres right. Um, and I'm talking, um, you know, the metric system here, and then a full marathon um, back to back to back. There is no, there's no waiting around. There's no jumping to bed for a quick nap and then go again. Um, so it's a full day and it's a full day outing. It's a full day excursion uh, as you like, but a very punishing one on the body. Um, in that particular race, I lost eight kilograms. Um, and I also mm. lost around about eight centimeters in height, which I've never really recovered the full height. Um, again, because everything compressed itself down, but that's only 11 hours. We, we were doing training for six months of those days leading up to condition the body um and the the race itself was one where i broke down about 18k into the run i looked up and i, I was doing maths in my head and i had a sign in front of me and it said 24 kilometers to go <laughs> and i was trying to do the maths because you have to be in before midnight that night and i was doing the maths thinking right if i start walking but i have to walk this speed i'm still going to get there just before midnight and i was shattered um, and then I got moving again. And as I got moving, I was able to jog. As I started to jog, I was able to run. And, and within um, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, I was back at full flight. And you got to the point where you knew you were going to finish this race. You could see and you could hear the finish line um, in the distance, three, four kilometres out, and the crowd started coming around you, so you were excited. Um, and then you just go into a euphoria. I, I remember singing these weird songs to myself for like the last 15 minutes, but you come around into the finish shoot, which is 200 metres long, and people are six, seven rows deep, um, all hanging over the fence. And then you hear Mike Riley um, uh, say that phrase, and you knew that that was you know, the time where you had accomplished that, that part of your life. And, um, and being able to tick that off the box and the to-do list was... You know, it was something I was very passionate about from an early age and had, had idealised that, that five seconds coming across the line. And, um, and it meant everything. And so the, the lessons of that particular event and how you, know, you can put your body on the line but um, destroy it completely but then get enough grit to get back on 
to finish that goal and, and to not give up, to take the lessons that I learned and apply them forward. Um, not that I was thinking that way at the 18K mark, but when you're upon reflection, you know, you look back and you think, yeah, that point, I can put a dot on that in, on a map and go at any time I feel really, really, really down on something, I can go back to that point and go through those lessons again of how, you know, you take your body to, to the end of what it's meant to do and then go past it and, um, and find out the true measure of what your body is like. Well, that, those had to have been some of the greatest seconds of your life there. Um, oh, yeah, uh, unreal. So I, I hate to even do that after we've talked about your highest of highs, but training, you know, is, is an incredible family commitment, not only just a personal commitment, but a family commitment. But uh, there were also uh, a, a few seconds of your training uh, uh, past there that were kind of a dark time there. You got hit on a bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. So if you asked me this three years, even last year, you know, it was going to be a difficult thing to talk about, but um, this last year has been a really good, good year. This happened four years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's taken a toll on every single person in my family um, because of the, the damage that was done. And, you know, it was unfortunate. I was hit at um, around about 70 kilometres per hour um, by a car, which was enough to throw me from my bike and, and um, give me quite a severe head injury um, and multiple other things as well. But it was the brain. And, and you look at the brain and the brain's made up of millions and millions and millions of neurons that uh, at an instant when you hit the ground at that speed and, and it takes the full brunt of force, that it's shaken up like a big bowl of jello. Um, and then left to settle. And, um, and from that, I had severe amnesia. So pretty much, you know, I didn't remember about the first six months of that year. Um, and then afterwards as well, like that stagnant um, memory loss was really weird where you would, um, you, you would find an experience, but the, next, the following day it was, you know, what did we do yesterday? I had no idea, but... Um, you know, as a result of trying to fight back from things and, and get yourself back to where you were. Because when I, when I, the, my first instance of memory, I guess, was six months prior where I was at uh, my full tilt. And, um, you know, I was going 100%. I was creative. I was passionate. I was, um, you know, having the best days of my life. And so your memory goes back to, the, to that mark and you're trying to start from that again. Um, it was inevitable that something was going to blow up um, and my whole mindset blew up, my whole brain blew up, my, my whole body blew up um, to a point where depression hit and stopped everything. Um, and it stopped, stopped me wanting to connect with people. It stopped me wanting to um, teach. It stopped me wanting to get out of bed. It stopped me wanting to, um, to have conversations with people. Everything was just dark. Um, mm. And that went on for a number of years. Um, and, you know, it was a roller coaster where if I put in a big effort one day, the next day I was, I was out to the world. I, I was stare bear, Mr. Hare stare bear. Um, and, you know, it was, it got to a point where I just had to stop um, and, you know, stop teaching, um, stopped caring uh, about trying to recapture who I was. Um, 
and start to move forward. And I actually went to the EPW conference um, in 2018 and it was there I met Melanie Levenberg and it was the aha moment. So rather than trying to fight for this, who this is Andy Hare as everyone sees him, let's, let's forget what just happened. It was, let's expose ourselves to something brand new. And she taught me how to dance. So I was able to take what I could control, which was, um, well, not really in dance, but uh, um, I was able to control movement, which really got me back and activity got me back with a positive mindset to the point where rather than trying to remember who I was and move forward with that, I detoured and I became someone new. Um, and what I found was all the neurons that in the brain that had started to reconnect started to connect differently because they were mucked up. They were trying to find the memory banks and where some um, were able to connect, others connected differently. So, you know, a great example of that was, you know, I've eaten meat all my life, but now I'm a full vegetarian. Um, and, you know, where, um, where I used to really fear great heights or roller coasters, I now eat them up. Um, you know, the fear is something that troubles me a little bit because I don't fear uh, too much. And so I've been cautious in that. I haven't taken that as an example to go, oh, let's swim with great white sharks or, or anything like that. But it's, it's to a point where it's exciting to know that I can. And the dance was one that I put myself on a, on a position where I knew I couldn't. And it taught me to start to relearn things and to really open my eyes to a new part of life that existed. And, and then all of a sudden the creativity looked at it um, and it came back into the, the classroom, came back in with the passion because I wasn't trying to be this person that I remembered. I was trying to learn to be this new person that I was. And, um, and with the parameters as well. But again, every four steps forward, I had to take two steps back because my my Andyisms, my my motivation, my hyperactivity, um, my ADD wanted to go, you know, ten times uh, speed, whereas I needed to stay at three times speed, and that was where my wife came really into the mix. And she, you know, don't get me wrong, she was there the whole time, um, but she really then had to to go. Okay, well, Andy, let's put the reins on this and bring this back a little bit because this is what's going to happen. Um, but in, again, that brought so much more because, um, with that came the ability that she travels with me to, to different conferences. So rather than meeting all these people, like when we were in, um, uh, Asheville last year, instead of me going away and meeting these people and coming back, she was able to meet them. Um, and all of a sudden these, these people that I spoke about became live people and people that really took her under their wing and um and you know had a great time with her as well and um and you know what this is the this is the weirdest thing gary that i'll say this again and i'll say this everywhere is that if i had to do it all over again and i knew what the outcome was going to be i would do it a hundred percent you know tick the box i would get into that same position because i knew what what life was going to be like when I had unpacked the ugliness and what was on the other end that was going to reward me. Um, I know that's not for everyone to, to go, well, hang on, you, you're saying you want to be hit by a car again, but 
you know, the brains are a weird thing. And the outcome of it for me, I guess I feel very fortunate um, for where it is, but it's also taken a lot of hard work because it's my deeper spirit um, and the passion within just took a little bit of time to come back out and to get back to where I exist. And I always, you know, exist as 10-year-old Andy. What, what would 10-year-old Andy want to do? Um, you know, he wants to climb a tree. 10-year-old Andy wants to line his mates up uh, on the ground, try and jump them on the bike. Um, and finding that again was, was something so enriching and so unbelievably, incredibly gifted that um, here we are. And, you know, we're, we're ready to take flight again without any thought whatsoever about um, whether something's right or wrong. Um, that'll come about at the end when, uh, when we deliver the, uh, the answer. So, yeah, how's that well, for an answer? Well, Andy, I, I'm speechless that you would even mention that uh, you, you consider it a gift. I, I can't hardly fathom that, but I'm so glad, so, so glad that you picked dance over swimming with the great white sharks. I yeah, think yeah, you know, that's, you know, that at least uh, shows uh, uh, some, some wisdom there. But, but <laughs> out of this, you, you've kind of come up with this motto, uh, this teaching philosophy, uh, dream, believe, achieve. So where did that yeah. come from? Um, it's probably something that back here in the 80s, we had a TV show called The Wide World of Sports. And, um, you know, your shows like the Tour de France, you know, your Hawaii Ironman, um, you know, even the strongest man on the world shows weren't free to air television shows here in Australia. And, and you would get snippets on the weekend. And, you know, for me, they were the things that really motivated me. You know, I wanted to climb the Pyrenees on my, my bike. I wanted to be at Hawaii Ironman and, you know, suffer in the lava fields the way everyone suffered. And, um, and I, I wanted to find that um, excitement that was in, in life. And, and so for me, I, I existed a lot um, in the clouds and, and I started to dream that, you know, I wonder what it would be like doing this. And my early days where I ran track, um, I would imagine myself up against the world champions and, and racing these world champions and um, and having such a an enthralling finish that, you know, I believed I was part of that. Um, and when you start to, to dream that um, and then you start to really believe in it, then the goal set of achieving tasks at the end, they're not far off where you're actually um, dreaming because you're having that reward and that success that is inner driven. And, um, and that's how I teach that. I'm not here to teach the kids. This is what you must do. We give them a problem that they've got to unpack and they find that in through that inquiry based model that this is how we can achieve this task. Um, is it right? I don't know. Is it wrong? I, I don't know. This is up to the child to get that self satisfaction out of it. Um, for me, again, you know, you look at a fundamental motor skill of throwing. Uh, I'm not here to say that that action is right or wrong. I'm here to try and show you how you can then take that throwing and exploit that after school. Where do you want to go with that? And giving the kids a range of experiences that they believe that they are so incredibly powerful in that um, ideal that they just do not want to put it down and I'll give you a great example. We had this um, kid, I'm going to call him Brock. Um, you know, obviously I don't have permission to throw his last name um, sure. in there, but 
But Brock was a grade five, six student at my school. And Brock was one of those students that he was rebellious. Um, he'd come to school and he had the big earring already separating his earlobe. And this kid was 11 years of age. Um, so, um, but I actually worked out he was a BMX rider. Um, and I went about trying to think, right, well, you know, he was so disengaged in all other opportunities and not once had he represented the school in anything um, through the course of the, the school year. But I thought, I just need this kid to leave primary school believing that he was seen by his peers as something incredibly important because of this one moment. Um, so I spent hours and hours and hours and hours, literally, I, I think I would have spent probably 100 hours designing a BMX championship um, that would invite all schools from around my area to come to a BMX track, which wasn't far from my school, and to build a team that then was centred around Brock. So I said to Brock, who in the, our school can actually ride a BMX? So he picked all his mates. So then he had a great time that day. He won gold medal. Um, wow. And for me, that gave this kid a pedestal that everyone else saw um, in his life. And he was able to leave primary school um, with something that was so embodied about him rather than about maybe a low academic score or not making the football team or um, being bullied by somebody else or getting in trouble from the principal again. He was able to leave with that one memory that he would then take um, right through. Um, and I heard now just on the grapevine, I've lost contact with him, but I read in the papers not long ago that he's training for the Olympic Games um, no way. because he's kept that passion through. And I've only I only had a little part of that because he already had that driving through, but I was able to foster it enough that his peers around him saw him for something different to what he was, and his teachers around him saw him for something that he was different to what they believed. Um, and that's where that dream, believe, achieve comes into play. Um, it's about placing the embodiment in a, the belief of a child rather than the physical skill on a scale. And, you know, I, again, assessment is important, but, oh, my God, I mean, if you give a child well below and they actually understand what that means, do you break them or do you motivate them? Um, you know, we're not inside a child's head, but... If you give them something that you know that they are the best at and the best version of themselves at that, and then they apply it forward and they continue to apply it forward and you see that as a representation of a happy face, tick, 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 A+. plus. You know, they've, they've succeeded. Okay, I'm going to pivot now. That, I mean, you are talking about the House of Austin, which I know you talk a lot about here. And, and so, but I need to, everyone wants to know, this is why you're here today. What's going on uh, with, uh, uh, you, you know, obviously with the difference in hemispheres, you're already back in school. Everyone here is yeah, wondering what school is going to be like. So we yeah, want to yeah. hear from you, you know, and again, mileage is going to vary, of course, and it may be different, but uh, at least you're a real data point here. So could you kind of describe pre going back to school, what the COVID-19 climate was like in your community and uh, um, just kind of what people were thinking. Yeah, so my community is a little bit separated from the major population area. So I've got a community of about 200,000 people, but my school's got a community of 4,000. So the town I work in um, is 4,000 people. And so 
it is remote from the large-scale COVID um, infection rates. However, it's still there. You know, one person into the wrong neighbourhood then creates an epidemic in another, um, a pandemic in another neighbourhood. Um, however, the, the problems that exist through teachers and students are the same world over. Um, and believe it or not, I was just going through different things um, last week about, all right, if I had to talk to someone, what tips would I give them? Um, so I've, I've scripted down for us. How good is that? So here's, here's what the problem is. The problem is that uh, for teachers going back, anxiety and stress, um, will I get infected? So it's not about will we get infected? I'm going back to teaching. Am I going to get this COVID or, you know, am I going to be safe? Because I've got my own family to look after. Um, the stamina to teach a whole day. We've been on remote learning where we've been able to cruise on a couch, chat in with a kid, design a game here and there, but largely we were able to teach with time down. Um, so stamina is shot. Um, and then school-based restrictions. So um, what is our, um, what are our, our principles in our councils around us, our districts telling us, um, is the person in charge of that one scared to death of what's happening? So are they stricter in the enforcement or are they lapsed um, and relaxed? So are they you know, less strict on what's happening? Luckily, at my school, my school is um, what we deem a positive education school. So everything is all about positivity. Everything is about building that self-confidence within and also managing a situation through problem solving, not um, problem creating. Um, the students with that problem was exactly the same social concerns. Um, they haven't gone out their house. They haven't physically had contact with anyone else for eight, nine, 10 weeks. Um, you know, over in the States, let's go through the summer as well. Let's talk six months. Um, right. that a, yeah. So a strict parent that don't let their kids socially interact with anyone else, haven't had a social contact with someone for, you know, like I said, eight months. Um, that's a long time. Um, anxiety and stress through the roof, um, your social emotional tolerance of others, you know, you're inside my space. Um, I don't like that. How am I going to now react if you're inside my space and the physical and mental stamina. So, you know, a few of the things I, I went along, you know, along these lines are, and this applied to my situation is, you know, tip one was all about you. Um, and, what is, well, let's, let's talk about it as me. So what was my role outlined in my school? Do I, you know, what is my actual job? So let's redefine that. Um, so so what, did you, what did your uh, uh, administration, the, the principal, uh, what, what was different or what did they say you had to do differently? Um, yeah, well, so the, in physical education, it was all about making sure that, um, we use similar equipment for each lesson. So that is rather than use everything um, and not understand where everyone's touched everything, it's using the same equipment. So kids wash in, kids wash out, all the equipment stays in a space. If that, if that child goes out of the space, they've got to wash out to go somewhere, maybe to the toilets um, or to the bathroom to get a drink. And then they've got to wash back in. So we know that at least hands are clean. Um, what we've also um, doing with the administration is through staff of 80, where we had one staff room, we've now got eight staff rooms. So it's that minimal contact mm. with each other. So you're creating um, cohorts. Is, uh, yeah, within. exactly right. 
um, it is staying within the parameters of your class. So knowing that we've got classes of 20 to 25 students, um, those 20 to 25 students interact with each other, but not so much with everyone else. So we've got two PE teachers at my school. Um, and, you know, luckily enough, I'm seeing the outside a lot, um, pretty much every day. So I take my classes outside and my other colleague takes them inside. So he has his set of equipment that I'm not allowed to touch and I have my set of equipment that his class is not allowed to touch. So then we're actually in control of that gear and we, we wheel it around and, and we set it out in, in those areas. Um, it's also the biggest one here and this is the biggest tip for America is you know, no volunteers, um, no, no external staff coming to your school, right. no parents allowed in the school. Um, that is a huge one to overcome. So our parents have to drop kids off at the fence um, and they, they get them again at the end of the day at the fence. Um, so that stops adults that we don't know um, coming into the school grounds. Um, yes, that concerns, that creates a lot of concern because you, know, you, know, you think straight away, well, how are these kids gonna survive if mum or dad don't bring them to the door? But once again, it's about protecting those members of the school that are inside that school area. Um, we've also set up then, you know, the, the playgrounds um, according to the year levels. And this, this is the real tricky one because all of a sudden you're protecting a class, but you send kids out to recess and they're interacting with each other. Now, Gary, kids are kids. They're going to scrap. They're going to they're play footy. They're on the ground in the mud. Um, you know, we're getting kids to wash hands in and out of classroom, but these kids are coming back in, out of, you know, in from the yard full of sweat. They've been playing football. Um, they've been climbing on the, the monkey bars and everything like that. But again, that sanitized room, we wash our hands, we clean everything, we go back in. Um, the school administration now has full-time cleaners that walk around every day, every door handle, every... Um, lever, everything that is commonly touched, every bin lid, um, that they are cleaned probably six, seven, eight times a day. Um, hand sanitizer everywhere we go. Um, we've got restrictions on like library borrowing so kids can't take books home um, at the moment. They have to keep them at school. So it has those restrictions, but we also have... Um, we have this agreement with some uh, families that uh, have that anxiety and stress around the school that they can still contain or still learn from home with that remote learning um, for the time being until the government um, say, right, everyone needs to be back at school. So sort of looking at that and, and walking through all that, you then have to create an environment where kids are safe and that's where positivity comes into play and passion comes into play. So, you know, using only positive language. So we don't talk down this COVID stuff. We talk about this COVID stuff. Um, call out the positive things students do. So there's no negative negativeness. Why haven't you done this properly? You know, it's, I love the way you've done that. I wonder if you could try this. Um, promoting your self-care, your comfort and your love, your SEL program, um, the togetherness that, um, not only the COVID, but also the, the riots that have happened around the world as well. The togetherness that um, the I am me and you are you, um, that, you know, we may look different, but we're exactly the same. Um, and you're my best mate type of thing. So showing that care, comfort and love to each other, promoting gratitude and togetherness, 
um, promoting connections, both physical through non-touch um, and mental. So, you know, the, the idea of obviously high fives, um, you know, they're out the window, but how else can we greet each other? Um, and do you know how hard it is not to shake someone's hand? Um, right. So, you know, you get into that, but then you play a game with the kids because it's all about, okay, well, how else can we greet each other? Um, how can we stimulate the mind to a point where that child feels like, you know what, I'm actually okay. Um, and I'm getting what I need out of this social situation um, to be able to cope. And then looking at that fostering of the independent thinker and, and going, okay, you've got something in your brain that I need. Can you just, I want you to share what you just told me. So I use a lot of student led um, sessions where a child will whisper in the ear, I've got an idea about this. Yes, please take this because that empowers that child again in that moment that they can take forward, go home and have a chat with mum and dad and say, I actually learnt um, and I taught this lesson today. Can I show you? Um, and if, once they show their parents, then that learning has gone home. Um, so there, there are a few of the things that have allowed us to get back into teaching in a positive way. You know, one of the greatest positive outcomes that we've had is we've continued with Zoom meetings. Do you know how much more productive a meeting is when it's on Zoom? Um, <laughs> or we, we use a different platform, but, you know, there's not this little ongoing, um, you know, off the tangent chat. It's to the point, you've got the information in, you've got the information out. You've then actually had time to apply it and broken into your small group meetings where a meeting might have rambled on for an hour and, uh, and you go, look, this isn't really relevant to what I'm after. You can get what you need out of it and keep moving, which is really cool. Well, it sounds like a, a, a lot of what you're seeing as a different is uh, maybe a, uh, a higher emphasis on uh, the mental and the social emotional side, even though yeah. you're in the physical business, sort of speak. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and that's you know that that's exactly right. We one one of the great things that have come out of this, and this is an asset to every single PE teacher that wanted to promote physical activity in their schools, is that kids don't have the stamina to sit. Um, they want to be up. They want to be moving. And you do that through your daily fitness. Um, you do that through your brain breaks, your energizers, your, um, your brain enhances. So there is no time greater in the world than right now to be able to sell to the principal. These kids need to get up. They need to move every half an hour. Otherwise, we're going to find the disconnection because they don't have the stamina. The only way to build that stamina is to move and to get that body ready and primed for learning. Um, and if, you know, if you're a physical education teacher and you've always wanted this within your administration, this is where the school year hasn't started, get the principal on the phone and say, hey, let's catch up um, for a coffee because I want to sell this concept to you and, and I want this school to look like. This is the greatest tip ever. And I just right. love this so much. Our principal said this to us and he said, I don't want to come back at Leopold Primary School and be the same school we were before COVID. I want to be Perfect. different. So what have Perfect. you guys got? Um, well, especially on the physical side, I, I heard a phrase used today for the first time, restorative wellness, that we need to, uh, you know, things mm. have, you know, we talk about uh, memories or uh, learning sliding in the, in the uh, break time, the summertime here and uh, how uh, it's going to take a while to get back to where we want with learning, 
But the same is true with wellness, whether that's physical or mental. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and that's it. We're we're looking after a community. Um, we are um, we're the medical officers officers in a doctor's office, and uh, th these children are coming in for a tune up, and and we have to look at every single one of these kids individually. They all need something different, and that's the that's the greatest game that we can ever play is to try and work out what each child needs and then really drill deep into that individual child because we're looking at a whole child here. No longer this, this phrase of whole school curriculum, it's so pre-COVID. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> just a little pun there, but it's so long ago because, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a kid in a class of 2020, I want to know that that teacher there knows exactly what I need. I don't want them to teach something the class needs or teach them a, because this is what the curriculum says. I want them to tell me what I need and I want every week to be able to come in and expect that that individual thing is given to me and being selfish. And if we can change our mindsets around, around that and go, right, these kids are so selfish in front of us, they all want something different and then we deliver it, how great are the, the ideals that are going to come out of that? You're going to have you know, 25 different outcomes of fostering that energy um, and that whole wellness that the addiction to moving will continue. It will move forward and it will take leaps and bounds. Um, lots of puns in there, but it'll move forward to a point where it's actually better than where we were. Um, and that whole desire about bringing in what people know but really drilling deep down into what you want, you know, what, what, what really do you want? Um, and that's the game that we play. That's why education is so cool. Absolutely. Well, Andy, I, we could go on for hours here and I'm afraid our time is, uh, is up today. Sure. And, and, there, and I have so many other questions for you. So you, we're going to have to find a way to continue this conversation, but, uh, I know you have a ton of resources. You have your own website, and we're going to put a link there for that. And uh, um, I'm going to pick your brain offline here for your treasure chest or your goodie bag of uh, go-to resources that uh, you can share with folks. But one thing on your website that I really want to mention before we go, which I think is just brilliant, is what is a physical snack? Just short. Oh. So a physical snack is something that a child can digest at any time, at any day, and it only takes them two or three minutes to eat, but it'll make them feel unbelievable. Um, you know, it's that little intense physical activity that they, they, they can do at any time. And that's why YouTube is so gravitationally important with, or any um, channel where you can put in a, a video that becomes addictive. Uh, that the kids just want to trawl and go over and over and over. It's something that we as adults can pick up anywhere we like and just digest. And then after that three minutes, we've actually changed our state of mind. Um, so that is a physical snack. And uh, I recommend it's on the, um, the healthy diet pyramid. It's uh, on the eat most food. Great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes so much sense, especially whether, uh, you're in the classroom or it's distance yeah. learning, it applies to both, doesn't it? Oh yeah, let me say one more thing is sure. that everything we do is not about us, it's about the classroom teacher. 
Um, if we can, there's only one way to change the culture of education and it's to think through the lens of a classroom teacher and think, what could they, what could I give them that is so easy that they can just turn the, the lesson to a, uh, a simple way? Um, it's not about them giving them a lesson to say, hey, go outside and do this. It's about giving them something like a snack to just change that lesson and give the kids a chance to get up, get moving and refocus and bring them back. The red blood cells run through the brain, re-energize the kids, they sit back down and science has shown that that is the most rewarding time to teach them something new. Well, and who doesn't like a snack, right? So uh, oh, yeah, there you go. Well, Andy, this has been such a pleasure today to spend time with you. Long overdue, and we're going to have to do it again soon, uh, hopefully in person at some point in time. But uh, yeah. I really want to thank you uh, for joining us today. But before we go, I got to tell everyone, uh, don't forget the shareable quotes. Uh, the resources that we mentioned there, uh, definitely check them over. You're going to find some great stuff uh, to uh, use for this fall. And uh, grab your uh, PGP certificate and give us some feedback at the link at the bottom there. So, Andy, until we see each other again, thank you so much for your time today. No worries, mate. Um, anytime. It's always a pleasure. And to all our viewers, hey, uh, love yourself first and then, you know, apply that forward because you've got a great gift and we've just got to keep that going. Excellent. Thanks so much. See you, team.